1: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: 5 p.m. Eastern time was the deadline for the players to uh, come back with an answer to the owner's latest proposal and they have come to an agreement it seems.
2: I, I almost feel scared to say this, but the players reportedly agreed to report to home stadiums by July 1st for training to begin, but again agreed to the league's proposal for a 60-game season. You're in a town with two of them. I think the White Sox feel like they can make the playoffs this year. That if they get off to a strong start, they'll have their best
0: young players in the lineup from the very beginning of the season. Hey, I I, I like what the moves they made with some of the experienced players they signed in free agency. They've got a great chance. The Cubs can redeem themselves. I love their lineup. There's so many questions now, but I think you're, you're in a city of two very motivated teams. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel.
2: I am so glad that we don't have to talk about baseball negotiations, owners, players, money, billionaires, millionaires, none of that stuff. And what a show we have planned for you today on Hit and Run This Morning. I'm Mark Grody, in for Matt Spiegel. Spieg's taking care of his son, Ruben, today. Sounds like they are both doing great, and I got a feeling you will probably hear Spiegel's voice on the score any day. I I would put Spiegel down as day-to-day, but he has left us in good hands, and we're going to get into that here in just a second. I am broadcasting live from my St. place here, up early, talking baseball, which is wonderful. My only competition, I would say, is the great outdoors, a clear, sunshiny day in the great big beautiful city of Chicago, I already made an emergency run to the 7-11 because I realized I was out of coffee and I don't do mornings nor do I do radio shows without coffee. So, and I had to mix the Starbucks blend with the 7-11 blend. So, full pot of coffee for this show for the next 3 hours or so and I'm so glad that you are with us today. Perhaps the the greatest defensive player of all time, Ozzie Smith, will join the show at 10 o'clock this morning. 12-year-old Cubs boy Mark Grody would not have been able to stomach saying nice things about Ozzie Smith, nor the 80s Cardinals in general, but I completely appreciate him now. I also, maybe still begrudgingly, appreciate what those Cardinals teams did in the 1980s. Like, every one of those guys, from from Ozzie Smith to Willie McGee to Tommy Her to later Terry, Pe- like, they could all steal 20 to 30 bases. And that was annoying. And then they'd have a thumper. They'd have a Jack Clark or a Bob Horner. They'd, they'd have a biggin' at one of the corners or maybe an outfield position, and that formula worked in what was a massive Bush Stadium back then, annoying turf, the whole thing. So so adolescent Mark Grody was annoyed. Um, older, more mature, more objective reporter Mark Rody completely appreciates what, what Ozzie Smith did in his career and I can't wait to talk to Ozzy at 10 o'clock. We'll talk about the present, we'll talk about the past a little bit, um, and his idea of what makes a great shortstop. But we'll get into all sorts of things with Ozzy Smith at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. He's actually participating in a a celebrity golf tournament, the American Century Championship. So Ozzy at 10 o'clock. Scott Merkin will stop by to talk White Sox at 920. What will become of Carlos Rodon? That was sort of slid in there in a sly way by Ricky Renteria yesterday. And we'll get to Ricky later as well. Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune is here at 11 for a full page of Cubs Talk including the luxury of a designated hitter, which Theo Epstein has been planning basically since he got here in 2013 and then the year that Kyle Schwarber was drafted in 2014. Coincidentally, the same year that Carlos Rodal was drafted by the White Sox. Yeah, Um, that was kind of what I think Theo had in the back of his mind. He's not really a catcher. He's not really an outfielder, even though he improved. Maybe someday he can be a designated hitter, and the time has come. 1140 this morning, we'll talk to SCORE baseball insider Bruce Levine. He will cover the White Sox and the Cubs and any kind of breaking news that is happening with either of our teams and in Major League Baseball at large as well. I am interactive as well. Love hearing from you. I don't know if you know this or not, but we are bundled here at the SCORE these days as in phone number and text message, it's the same thing. Yes, we have bundled 312-644-6767. Is the phone number to call me if you'd like? Yeah, you can still call. Um, but. Your text messages are welcome to it. That same number, 312-644-6767. I am on Twitter as the sports guy at the score. At Mark Grody Sports is the way to do it. The last name spelled just like my Uncle Jerry, G-R-O-T-E. I'm on Instagram and Facebook if you want to play there as well. So I am alive and well on all forms of social media. Follow me. Hang out with me. We shall talk. Um, One thing that I've been saying about baseball since about – April, I'd say. Mid-March is when everything stopped for baseball. One thing I've been saying, though, is that baseball, if played this year, is going to be a spectacle. It will be awesome. And here we are. As in baseball, like you've never seen it. Baseball with urgency from Game 1. We get to, for the first time ever, at 670, the score... We will get to react to a baseball game that the Cubs or Sox play. And when we lose our minds, if the Cubs lose to the Pirates nine to four, or the Sox fall to the Royals eight to seven, we will get to overreact and it won't be disproportional. That it it will <laughs> because there are only sixty games, it will be okay to to some degree to make conclusions based on game one i don't know maybe i'm getting a little bit carried away but we're not gonna look like fools for doing it for once so yeah there's going to be urgency from from game one it baseball will have some drastically different rules and yes putting a man on second base to start each half inning and extra innings is drastic there's no doubt about it uh Baseball, though, will have bigger ratings than ever before. I guarantee you that. Baseball will have different eyeballs on it. I think it will grab some people who probably stayed away from didn't Didn't unpurposely stay away from the game because they don't like the game, but there are, just, there are people that just can't sit around for a baseball game, and I think there would be more people that are prone to doing that this year. The, the Cubs and White Sox are expected to report to their home ballparks by midweek for the continuation of spring training. And yes, reporting to Wrigley Field and Guaranteed Rate Field. That is going to be bizarre. And this is spring training. I've seen it termed as spring training camp or summer camp or training camp or big league workouts, but it's still this is still spring training. When they when they cut it off on March 12th, they didn't suddenly change the name. And it's a brand name. It's like the Big Ten. There's more than 10 teams in the Big Ten, but it's still the Big Ten. That is the brand name. Spring training um, was halted on March 12th, and here we go again, hopefully, by midweek. And I do know, I do know that the rule changes are a bit troubling for some of you, which is okay. You are, you're allowed to hate the changes if you'd like. Um, You know, I should give you a little bit of my background baseball was my first love growing up i i was able to even as a 9 10 11 or 12 year old just like a lot of you i was able to watch every single second of a baseball game from the pregame to the nine innings to the postgame i couldn't get enough i had a voracious appetite for baseball it's what got me into sports first you know my first love along with some of the other chicago teams as well um so, and then I, you know, I covered baseball. I was Cubs pre and post game host from 2015 to 2017. So I have the stomach for baseball to take every second of it and to take it as it is. But I also embrace change because I love the game and I want to see it succeed even after I'm gone. But you know what? Forget about the rule changes. Don't worry about the rule changes Yes, it will alter things. It might feel jarring at times. But the bulk of baseball, the essence of baseball, is still going to be exactly what you know and presumably love. The most important question you need to ask about the team for which you root, and let's just narrow it down to the Cubs and White Sox, The question you need to ask in this altered 60-game schedule is how do the Cubs and White Sox stack up against their respective divisions? Because those are the teams you will be playing this year. Every team will play 10 games apiece against each of the four teams in its division for a total of 40 games. 40! 4-0. The other 20 are against the the corresponding interleague division your sister division as I like to call it so the Cubs and Sox divisions the Centrals will play one another east against east so it makes for something of a built-in rivalry but it is those 40 games that you must think about that is your ball game this year so now more than ever of course you always look at the whatever it is 18 to 20 games in your division in a 162 game standard year but man that is what it is all about this year beat the teams in your division in the national league central in 2019 it's time for a refresher course the cardinals were 20 games over 500 91 and 71 the brewers 89-73, the Cubs, your Cubs, 84-78, the Cincinnati Reds, 75-87, and the Pirates were in the cellar, the bottom of the division at 69 and 93. The big change in the se- this season, the NL Central, will be the Cincinnati Reds, a team which the Cubs have basically cakewalked in the last five years. I know they had a little trouble with them last year. It's not going to work that way this year the starting rotation for the Reds is Luis Castillo, who will be in the running for Cy Young. You also have old Sonny Gray. He's not old, but it just feels like that's a name where you put old before. Old Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer is in that rotation, and that puts Anthony DiSclafani in a good place at four or five, along with Wade Miley. That, that's what it does. When, when you bring in New pitchers, it puts guys like who who you used to really depend on higher towards your rotation, and and the Reds did that with Escalante at one point in time. Now they don't have to worry about that. Now that they have Gray and Bauer in that rotation to go along with the anchor, and that would be Luis Castillo. Pedro Strope joins the Reds bullpen this year. They still have the very muscular Michael Lorenzen. What is he? A pitcher? An outfielder? He's strong. Um, and then the the terrific a Iglesias to to close out games. And offensively, on the Cincinnati Reds, they have added, oh, yeah, Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos is on the Reds. So you throw him in there with Moustakis and Joey Vado and my guy, Eugenio Suarez. It's formidable. Uh, the Reds aren't messing around. The Reds have always had—it seems like the Reds have always had offense— but now they seem to have surrounded it with pitching and a little bit more credibility to their bullpen as well. So the Reds are for real, and I get it. Yeah, I mean, there's the caveat with all of this that it is 60 games, so maybe you don't take everything at face value to do a deeper dive on what teams are built for 60 games. But I'm just doing teams that look really good on paper. The Cardinals still come back with your Jack Flaherty and your Miles Michaelis, and to go to Hudson. And how about the Cardinals Classic? Yadier Molina still there. This will be year 17 for him. And the most shocking thing about Yadier Molina is that he's only 37 years old. I would have just guessed. I would have said 41 like he it just he's got 41 42 written all over him and he like i could see him being there for another five or six years because he just seems like that type of guy who's never going to want to hang it up until somebody actually sits him down but yadier of the molina's 37 years old still there adam wainwright hee haw still there Wainwright's fifteenth year. He too is thirty-seven years old. I would say in the Cardinals' case, bullpen quite suspect. Andrew Miller, thirty-five. Jordan Hicks, is he healthy? I don't even know if he's healthy. Um, they do have Daniel Ponce De Leon, and that is just such a great, great name. We need more of that, more explorers. Uh, the Brewers with the you know what the Brewers have lost. The Brewers have lost fear. I don't know if they ever had it actually. They, they, there's, no, there's no fear factor in their starting rotation. That still doesn't exist with the, the Brandon Woodruffs and the Brett Andersons of the world. So I, I just I don't. I think there's going to be a step back for the Brewers this year. Yes, Josh Hader is great. Maybe the best pitcher in the division in terms of what he can still do. Um, and you are allowed to, I would think, overwork your bullpen guys this year. So that will probably bode well for Craig Council, who, as we all know, likes to play games with the rotation. He does like to do that. And you still have Yelich and Kane and Braun still hanging around. So they'll they'll hit the ball around. I just I just there's just no fear factor really in their starting pitching nor in their bullpen. So Milwaukee, yeah, they're a big meh. Um Guess who's on the Brewers this year, by the way? It's White Sox fans. Avisael Garcia. Two-year, $20 million deal uh, with the crew. So Avisael Garcia is, is there. Um, the Pirates, I love to watch Josh Bell hit, but that's about it. Um, he can DH now, too. So I don't, I don't have much more on the Pirates. I mean, every division's got to have a team that you can stomp on, and that would be it. All right, American League Central here. Last year, Twins, 101 wins. Indians, 93-69. Your White Sox, 72-89. The Royals, 59-103. and Tigers lost 114 games last year. So the Twins ain't going anywhere. They have added Josh Donaldson to a team which set the single-season home run record with 307 last year. You still got them boys, Sano and Rosario, Buxton, Jose Barrios will be in the running for Cy Young. Jake Odorizzi is is turning out a really good career. Rich Hill is on the—yep, he just keeps coming back. He keeps regenerating. And, yes, Rich Hill is finally 40. Like, okay, Rich Hill's been around forever. He needs to be 40. He is 40. Cleveland, really good starting pitching, whether you want to believe that or not, with Bieber and Clevenger and Carrasco and company. Lindor, still there. Royals, not going to be good. But I am interested to see uh, what a couple of guys do, as in— what will Mike Montgomery do as a starter every fifth or sixth day in the Royals rotation? Um, I'm always interested in Whit Merrifield. If he comes up in trade talks, the August 31st trade deadline, I'm always interested in Jorge Soler. Tigers, Miguel Cabrera, still there. Jamer Candelario, okay. Boyd, Fulmer, Jordan of the Zimmermans. Ivanova Nova is with the Detroit Tigers, in case you forgot. So that's what... The Cubs and White Sox are stacked up against this season. Just a thumbnail right there. Um, and let's take a closer look at the South Side Ball Club, shall we? We'll take a break when we come back. We will bring in from MLB.com. He covers the White Sox for a living. He is Scott Merkin. This is Hit and Run. I'm Mark Grody, in for Matt Spiegel on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink
2: A little bit more just the the fan side of me but it's just going to be good that baseball back man it's just going to be good to be back playing it's going to be good to, to see luis robert running around center field it's going to be good to see giolito continue to build and where Mancada is, is growing to uh you know whether it's 60 games whatever the schedule looks like you know, any of that stuff is is important from the executive side of me in terms of what it means for the White Sox and how we continue to build or where we want to be on an annual basis, but fundamentally, it's just going to be good to watch some baseball. There's only so many times I can watch that Eloy home run at Wrigley last year and you know, not wind up thirsty for more. Let's go. Thanks, Cubs! White Sox General Manager Rick Hahn on a Zoom call earlier this week. Welcome back into Hit and Run. I'm Mark Grody in for Matt Spiegel. Until noon today, we're going to talk to Scott Merkin. There it is. There it is. Love that, Eddie. Scott Merkin going to join us here momentarily, and we'll really get in depth with the White Sox. Ozzie Smith. Yes, Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith, the 13-time Gold Glove winner on at 10. And we're all about the Cubs at 11 o'clock with Mark Gonzalez. A couple of text messages at 312-644-6767 from the 864. Mark, hell of a thumbnail. Yeah, I guess I gave it a few fingers, actually, as opposed to a thumbnail. I just wanted to refresh people on the divisions, who's there, who's not there, what to look forward to, because 40 damn games against the teams in your division, that, that is baseball this year uh let's see from the 262 so it's still overreacting but it's proportional overreacting i'll buy that Corey in whitewater wisconsin yeah game one of the year if you go crazy because the cubs lose nine to four you're not going to be as crazy as you would have been in a 162 game schedule uh, from the 309 the man on second rule is a joke if they really want to speed up the game, why wait until extra innings? Might as well put a man on <laughs> in the first inning. Look, I, like I said, I'm progressive when it comes to baseball. I'm all for changes to make the game better, to make it faster. But I will say, I will say that putting a man on second base doesn't sound like Little League. It sounds like T-ball, where you walk a kid out to second base just, just because the moms and the dads got to get home and, and it's starting to get dark. That is... That is what that feels like um and one final text before we get to Merck here but did you wear your mask in the elevator today yes i did yes i did i, I kind of was half-assed in my mask yesterday on the elevator i have to admit it and i got a, a minor scolding which i completely deserved and i completely own it all right let's talk white Sox now as we bring in he is the mayor of streeterville he is scott Merck, and he covers the white Sox for
0: mlb.com good morning Merck. how you doing man Good morning. So I'm I'm preceding Ozzy Smith and Mark Gonzalez. I'm you got me leading off for two Hall of Famers, basically there.
2: Hey, I feel like I looked up the numbers today, Merck, and your trajectory, considering the breadth of work that you have done, you are on target in this day and age.
0: You are on target for HOF two, my friend. <laughs> if 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 you say so, I, you know I have to I have to, and I appreciate that, by the way. Yeah, I have to disagree uh, respectfully with Rick Hahn. The Eloy Jimenez game has been on a couple times, but there's nothing been on more this last, what we're, we're closing in on four months, right? Uh, three and a half months yeah. of um, downtime than the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game and the Mark Burley uh-huh. perfect game. Those two lead the way by far. <laughs> I, I you know, I, I, the, the quick story is I was not at the Mark Burley perfect game. I was flying. I was at the airport getting ready to fly to Detroit because they had a first-place doubleheader the next day starting at noon. Eastern time, so I watched the end of it in a in uh, at an airport gate. But I feel like I know every pitch now of that game because I've seen it a number of times. And then you know the Kerry Wood game has been shown a lot before, rightfully so, two masterful pitching performances. But I think they've been on more than the Aloy Jimenez home run game during this downtime.
2: Wait, Miss, so how helpless did you feel when you're sitting at an airport, drinking a beer, watching this game that you know you should be covering, even though it's not your fault? Did you feel like? oh, my God, I'm not there.
0: Yeah, here's another thing, and Gonzo can attest to this if he even wants to talk about it, but I missed the Philip Umberts perfect game. I was off for that what? series. So the Sox <laughs> have thrown three perfect games in franchise history. I've had a chance to see two. I wasn't around for the Charles Robertson one. That was like 1922, and I have missed yeah. two of them. How about that? How about that?
2: That Oh, my God. That's That, that's that, that might be a hear. bigger claim
0: to fame than throwing a perfect game, missing two of the perfect games, actually.
2: Right, and it is your job to cover the White Sox just about every right. single day. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up the the Rick. I, I love that at some point in time, every time Rick Hahn is interviewed or in a, a conference call when it's sort of off season or whatever, he, at some point in time he goes fanboy. He lets he lets he lets uh, little Rick out and just just to go hardcore on being. a f- I, I like that about Rick Hahn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know he should be excited for what they've built. That's one of the big themes on this team going into this year, even in a shortened season. Is you know they dealt with well just three years of big losing in this uh, rebuild. What was it? Uh, they lost 100 games in 2018, right? And they had and they were improved last year, but still lost quite a bit. But I mean, think about it. This team has not been over 500 since 2012. Since the World Series, they've been to the playoffs one time. I mean, a franchise as storied and as proud as the White Sox are probably should not have that kind of run overall. They've had some things that have, you know, he hampered them and gone wrong in the stress. But, I mean, they've never been back-to-back playoffs in their history, in the franchise history. So he has a reason to be excited. They've built a great young team, and they've supplemented it. No, I shouldn't say supplemented They've complemented it with great, you know, with with key veterans. Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel, Encarnacion, Nomar Mazzara. So, yeah, they were ready for this season. They were looking at this season with excitement. You know, I think in a 162-game season, People still thought, you know, they're probably third in that division behind the Twins and the Indians, but certainly much closer now to the Twins and Indians than they were to the, you know, the rebuilding Royals and Tigers. I think I have this right, but I think they were at the All Star break last year either forty one and forty four or forty two and forty five. So, you know, they were they were a pretty decent team, you know, you know, competitive and a five hundred team. And then they had some injuries with Tim Anderson, Moncada, Jimenez, Diolito missed the last couple weeks, although they were already out of it at that point, but. That that'll knock a team down that doesn't have the great depth, but now they've improved, and you know there's a, and even in the sixty games, there's a reason to be even more excited because it's kind of a a sprint where if one team gets hot, you're set, as opposed to a, kind of a marathon.
2: All right, you mentioned Dallas Keuchel as one of those those new guys on the White Sox, so he and Giolito and Cease and Ronaldo Lopez and Gio Gonzalez and Michael Kolpak are the Sox going to run out a six man rotation or do they spot start guys
0: Well let's not forget Carlos Rodon either. You know, he's uh he's back from, you know, he was after he had the Tommy John surgery I believe last May. He they had targeted after the All-Star break. Well, you know, if things go as planned, which we can keep our fingers crossed, just not just for baseball but for life in general, then, you know, the first pitch of the new season of the 2020 season will be well after what would have been the All-Star break. So he'll be in the mix too. I mean, do you you know? Do you break with tradition with the Sox and actually use an opener once in a while? Maybe not a a pure opener, but a guy who goes two or three innings. Do you kind of piggyback you know different pitches? Remember, yeah, uh, mm. you know, I don't know how much it matters, but Gio Gonzalez was dealing with a shoulder problem, which I'm sure is fine now. But you know, never threw an inning in Cactus League action. Lucas Giolito threw one inning in Cactus League action. Michael Kopech threw one inning in Cactus League action. So granted, they're all fine. They're ready to go. And they're going to get some time to warm up a little bit in inter-squad games, and with workouts coming up. But you know, they don't have the beginning total. Lucas told us in a Zoom call the other day that he's probably you know physically at the shape of you know being three up, three down in terms of three you know getting up three times in terms of innings. So you know, it may be a little bit if, if these guys get eleven or twelve starts. It may be three or four starts before they can really go deeper into a game. So yeah, it'll be. I think I think all bets. And talking to Don Cooper recently. And then Ricky Renteria, as part of that Zoom call on on Thursday, I guess it was. You know, I think all bets are off. I think everything is open to to be used to to get ready for the to get get through and be competitive during the season.
2: Well, let's get back to Carlos Rodon because he has been, you know, it, it's been a real. I don't know what word you want. To, it's been an unfortunate career for him just because of of injuries. And when he is in, he has been effective. But what I heard. Ricky Renteria say on the score the other day on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine was that he mentioned the word bullpen. He said, you know, maybe we bring in, he kind of slipped it in there. And I thought that that was, I had not heard that before, but he did mention that in relation to Carlos Rodon. Could that be his role now with the Sox or maybe even going forward in his career wherever he
0: ends up? I would say now, possibly not going forward if he has any say in it. You know, I talked to him very early in spring, and he does not want to be a reliever. Obviously, next year is his last year of White Sox control, and, you know, you're going to obviously get paid a little more in the market if you're, well, no, you're going to get paid more. It's pretty much out there if you're a starting pitcher. So, and he wants to be a starting pitcher. He feels he believes he's built for that. He was talking about, you know, the times that he's thrown 98-99 at pitch 98-99 in a game. So, That's his belief, and I think he'll stick strong to that. But I think, as I said this year, any combination, anything is possible. You know, you figure Dallas Keuchel, Lucas Giolito, they are starters. There's no question about that. You know, Cease and Lopez, for the most part, are planned long-term starters. But I think any combination of that group with Cease, Lopez, Gonzalez, Kopech, Rodon, and again, if we want to do another let's not forget. How about Dane Dunning and Jimmy Lambert? Dane Dunning, yeah. if he didn't have this Tommy John, you know, surgery, probably would have been close to competing for a fifth starter job, you know, a couple of springs ago. So they're they're you know deep in starting pitching. There's a lot of options for them to go to. I wouldn't. I think it's way too early though, especially since you know we know how effective he can be when he's on. To you know say Carlos Rodon is now reliever. If if the Sox have done that, it would be an interesting change. But I don't think anything that's happening this year. You know, that's changed is going to be a long term change unless, you know, someone finds a fit and they really both both sides like it going moving forward.
2: One guy I know that White Sox fans have not forgotten and they are interested in this ball player is Nick Madrigal and the possibility that he gets some the indication that I, I have gotten in just reading in between the lines and listening to what Rick Hahn andor Rick Ricky Renteria have said, they've been very careful not to place Madrigal prominently right off the bat but could he could he become a key component at some point in time in the next 60
0: games for the White Sox well, You know I wrote about this the other day the Sox want to win this year you know they have a unique opportunity like everyone else in the world I mean you know think about it even the Tigers and Royals they go on a 20 and 10 run to start the year and and they're in contention right even though they're they're far from it but one of the great things they've done is kept the focus on this being a long-term thing you know they did not rebuild to kind of jump up for one season and then be done they want to be like you know the cubs or the royals or the astros only probably you know they'd like to win multiple titles instead of one although it's it's, it's tough to win one is they can attach from 05 let alone to win multiple but you know i think one of the great things they've done is they've not pushed these top prospects prospects easy for me to say they've let them kind of come up at their own pace and when they're ready. So I think Madrigal will help this year. He will contribute this year at some point, assuming we you know, go all the way through the sixty games. I don't know if he'll break camp with the team. But again, there you know, the only other option right now is yeah, at the beginning of the year, the option would be, you know, if he they didn't feel like he was quite ready to start or play every day, it would have been sit on the bench or go play every day in Charlotte. Well that was easy. He was going to go play every day in Charlotte, right? Leory Garcia is going to be the second baseman and I still think Leary Garcia will be the second baseman. Now the option is you you know either start, sit on the bench and play sporadically, or you play in the satellite camp as part of the players pool. So, you know I could see him, I guess, breaking camp as part of the the original thirty, but I could also see them you know keeping him in that players pool and at some point soon helping out the major league team.
2: That's the voice of Scott Merkin for MLB.com. He covers the the White Sox. He is their beat reporter for them, home and away. And the two guys I feel like who have been talked about most in terms of fan love and trajectories and excitement level are Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. I want to ask you about Yohan Moncada because he, he took that jump last year. What's next for Moncada?
0: Well, I mean, I think he deserves a lot of credit, first of all. You know, he went through that season in 18, which I don't think was as bad as, as it was kind of illustrated as. You know, he had some hamstring issues where he was kind of cruising along decently, and then that just kind of sent him back. I know he struck out 217 times. And, you know, one of the things they felt like is he was almost too patient. His batting eye being so good almost hurt him because he was letting kind of the umpires and the pitchers decide at bad instead of taking charge. But he stayed calm that whole year. You know, I know myself, I talked to him two or three times about the strikeout total, the struggles, never, you know, winced, just said, Hey, this is a process. I'll be fine. Went to Ricky Renteria and then hitting coach Todd Steverson before the end of the 18 season and said, You know, I want to get better. I want to do things to improve. Worked, went to Arizona for before training camp, long before spring training for like two weeks, worked on his hitting. You know, switched to third base, which I think is more of an instinctive, natural position that fits him, and then had a great year last year. And I think, you know, what's next? You know, if you believe in such things, making the All Star team, uh, MVP type of thing. But I think just being one of the key offensive forces on this team, which he proved he can be, you know, the guy can run, the guy can hit for power, the guy can hit for average. So he's everything that was advertised. Now, again, it's what you talk about development and you're talking about, like, Luis Robert, who hasn't seen a pitch in the major league level, or Nick Madrigal, same thing. Or even some of these younger pitchers, but the development is still there for Moncada, who's had you know one phenomenal season, one not so great season. The development is there for Lucas Giolito, who had one you know tough season and then one where he was a Cy Young caliber pitcher last year. So just because the most recent season for both those guys was excellent, it doesn't mean that that's going to carry out. You know, even Lucas joked the other day that he does not feel like a veteran, and you know by by letter of the law they kind of are, but they're not established veterans yet. So. I think development is still a process for Moncada. He has talked about he wanted to steal more bases. He's worked hard in his legs to kind of stay healthy, healthier all season. But I think, you know, you can legitimately list him right now as kind of a borderline MVP candidate and could be that way for many years to come. Wow. Well, well, one thing you said in your
2: answer there about Moncada I think is incredibly important because you indicated that he is having, having gone to Todd Steverson, the hitting coach, and Gone to Ricky Renteria, it sounds like he is very coachable, which I don't think is the case with every single young ball player just because of how great they are told they are. And they, of course, they're going to listen to their coach, but they kind of want to do it their way. That's refreshing to hear about Moncada. Would you say that's the same case for somebody like Eloy Jimenez, where he is coachable? And I, I don't know how much you, interaction you've had with Luis Robert or what you've heard, but are, are these young Budding stars are they also coachable, similar to what you were explaining about Moncada?
0: Yeah, I think overall, you know, it's it's hard for me, it's difficult for me to say specifically. Oh, yeah, I've seen this guy is and this guy is. I think overall they have a really good young group, and I think you know part of the thing is this group has kind of developed together. They've lost together, and now you know they're hoping to win together. And you have some good veterans that were in place even before. You know, you added Grandal and Carnacion and the people I listed before. How about Jose Abreu, who's been a big influence on this group about, you know, not letting the, the highs get too high or the lows overtake you. So I think that's an important part of it, too. But I, I think they're all – I mean, Tim Anderson, you know, who won the batting title last year, did the same sort of thing, put in a lot of extra work both the last two off-seasons. And I know it's more the norm than the exception that, you know, elite players work hard in the off-season. You know, gone are the, long gone are the days where you come to spring training and kind of get into shape then. These guys really, you know, work hard. But, I mean, it, it's it's impressive that this group kind of fits together and works hard together and kind of, you know, keep each other going together. So it's, it's not just a, a good group of talent they've built. It's a good – it reminds me a little bit of just what I saw, you know, for a little and what I heard from the Cubs in 16. You know, that group seemed to have that same dynamic. But I guess any team that wins and wins big is going to have that dynamic too.
2: Yeah, it'd be nice to see the the White Sox sort of sprout the same way the Cubs did in 2016, and you just never know. What about Ronaldo Lopez? Is he going to get it back together and be more like he was in 2018 as opposed to last year in 2019?
0: Yeah, see, he's the reverse of Moncada and Giolito, right? He had a pretty solid 18 and then had a real rough 19, but he seems ready to go. He's another guy who seems to have stayed the course, you know, stayed even-keeled during the struggles, hasn't let it get to him, and... Worked, at, worked hard in the off season. I believe he worked at the Mamba Academy as a matter of fact in, in Los Angeles and really felt good coming into spring training. Now, you know, one of the big questions is going to be not just for Lopez, but for everyone, everyone in baseball pretty much is. You know, when you have the off season off season which starts in October for teams that don't make the playoffs, you have a schedule. You know exactly what's going on. You know when you're reporting, so you know I got to start working out again in November. I got to if you're a pitcher, start throwing bullpens in December. I need to have six bullpens By the time spring training starts, during this unfortunate downtime, there was no set date, right? Until very recently, we didn't, you know, from day to day, from week to week, we had no idea when baseball was coming back, if it was coming back. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how they're able to bounce back. And I think health concerns will be a key thing, which is why I think the teams will take care of their players. You know, I talked earlier about maybe Lopez will come out there and go three or four innings instead of pushing him into six or seven. So I think you know they're all ready to go. I think Again, I think it's hard to judge anything off this season. Even if someone goes out and kills it for forty games, it's really hard to say. Okay, Lopez was great as a you know middle reliever type of thing. So maybe that's his that's his role. It just gives you an indication of things, but I think it's difficult difficult to judge when you know sixty games is you know less than even half a season usually. So it's difficult to make a uniform judgment across it. But I'm really interested to see. How all these guys are able to come, and they're professionals, and they've been training, but it's different throwing the ball in your backyard or at the park versus you know the summer camp practices they'll have starting Friday, versus inter-squad games versus major league games. So it'll be interesting to see how things develop.
2: Yeah, and every one of those starters, and you could even add Gio Gonzalez. Everyone very intriguing to wonder what they're going to do this year, and 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 going forward for that matter. What about? I was just thinking about this. What about Garrett Crochet, their, their number one pick, number 11 overall out of Tennessee? What, what is he going to be, what is he doing? Is he working somewhere? Is he part of any of this, or is he just complete development at this point?
0: Yeah, you know, the 60-man roster, the 60-man player pool, is supposed to be announced today by 3 p.m. Central. I'm not sure if the Sox will announce it today or tomorrow, but... I wouldn't be surprised if Crochet was not on that, and not so much because he's going to pitch for the major league team this year, but Mm -hmm. because it'll give them a chance, you know, for him to see him in the satellite camp and kind of, you know, he only threw three and a third innings for Tennessee this year. He, uh, you know, he had a a shoulder, um, a minor muscle strain, and then you know the coronavirus shut down the season. So this will give him a chance to work a little more. It'll give the Sox a chance to see him, you know, put eyes on him live. I don't think he's. I know we've all, including myself raising my hand here in my place, you know, I written about the comparisons between him and Chris sale, you know, Chris sale came to the majors two months after he was drafted. I don't see, you know, crochet doing that. He, he's probably a little raw, more raw prospect, but I would, I would think that he'd be part of that, you know, that 60 person player pool mm. to continue getting work. And, but he is, a, you know, he did tell me in a recent interview, he is, if that does not happen, he's continuing to work out in Tennessee, staying there. Using the facilities and is you know ready to go whatever whatever they have for him.
2: Lastly, tell me all the reasons that I am right when I say Aaron Bummer is going to be one of the best relievers in baseball this year.
0: Yeah, I mean he's another one. I mean you know there's so many stories of these and I think you can probably find it in almost every you know there's the Mike Trout's there's the Chris Bryan's who pretty much hit the ground running. I mean what did Chris Bryan do like college player of the year, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP right with, with yeah. winning a World Series? Hard, hard to top that resume. You might as well just call it quits and walk away at that point, right? What are you going to do to top that? But, you know, most of the good players have had struggles to get there. And I remember Aaron Bummer two springs ago, you know, just he could not find the plate. He was walking guys left and right in the very limited situation and worked his way back. And, you know, is it a great sinker ball guy. I mean, I think he really can be the closer of the future for this team. I think he's really, you know, it's a, it's a great signing having him long-term. He's, a, you know, a, a lights-out left-hander, one of the better relievers in baseball last year. And I think you're on the mark. I think he is going to be a, a key part, not just in a short season, but in many, you know, White Sox contending periods in the future. Scott, thanks for your
2: time. Truly Hall of Fame stuff right there, brother.
0: I appreciate it, Mark. At least I didn't miss this interview like I missed the perfect games.
2: <laughs> exactly. You're always you're always here for hit and run. Thanks, man. All right. Take care, Mike. That is Scott Merkin. Covers the White Sox for MLB.com. Yes, he is the mayor of Streeterville. Fine Merck. On Twitter, at Scott Merkin. Some interesting things. I like the, the Moncada sneaky MVP candidate, Garrett Crochet. You start to wonder, could he pull off a Chris Sale? Could he do that in this unique year? Who knows, man? If the Sox are good, anything goes for them. Still the come on hit run. Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith joins us at 10. We'll get your Cubs info at 11 o'clock with Mark Gonzales. 1140 Bruce Levine. Coming up next cubs fans at wrigley field this year something i never thought we would hear but it is not out of the realm of possibility it's hit and run i'm mark grody in for matt spiegel on chicago sports radio 670 the score
0: i've been optimistic on this one for a while um we're, we're fortunate to have some of the best medical professionals in in our city uh helping us both from advocate and northwestern and, uh, and i'll give credit to the city and the city's health department as well um, and there was always a path uh, to bring fans back into Wrigley, obviously a much smaller group than, than would normally attend games. Um, the fact that uh, Governor Pritzker got there uh, ahead of us, uh, it was obviously a good sign. And, and we're working with the city, um, having great conversations with the, the mayor's the staff on this topic. And we know our fans, uh, if safe uh, and if it can be done with the right uh, precautions, would love to come back to the ballpark. And so we do see that happening this year.
2: I have to admit, I did not expect to hear Cubs President of Business Operations, Crane Kenny sounding so optimistic over the prospect of having fans in the stands at Wrigley Field this season. Speaking with Dan Bernstein, right here on 670 The Score earlier this week, as we welcome you back into Hit and Run. I'm Mark Rohde, in for Matt Spiegel today. Top of the hour, we are going to talk to the Hall of Famer, Ozzie Smith, so that's about 10 minutes from right now. To me, in any of the sports, I have considered a non-starter for fans to be in the stands. I I had just deleted that thought from my head, even though sometimes you would hear whispers of it and some non-conventional ways of of being of there being placement facilitators or fake fans or cardboard cutouts but it is um it's also very difficult for me to when you actually picture it to to wrap my head around the idea of there being no fans at a baseball game whether it's a wrigley field or a guaranteed rate field i remember how naked wrigley field felt just in 2015 when i was doing pre and post when the bleachers were closed, remember that? And that's just the bleachers, and it was weird as hell. The ball would you know, clunk in there and bounce around like a pinball machine. Sometimes they're just like a thud, baseball-hitting wood. Um, but there could be fans in the stands at Wrigley Field. Yes, sir. And I do like it. 8,000 or so? That does seem doable. So let's turn our attention now to Chicago Mayor... Lori Lightfoot there's no bigger sports fan than than me and I want to be able to enjoy live sports in the stands myself Um, but we've got to do it at a time when we know that that's appropriate under the public health guidance and we're not there yet and we've got to do it in a way that makes sure that when those fans are queued up outside the venues when they're in the venues and when
0: they're leaving that there's a plan to keep them safe and minimize the risk of COVID spread
2: yeah i think that everybody realizes those rational thoughts that's in the back of our minds i haven't really mentioned much about COVID 19 today i think that we all we don't need to disclaim that every 10 seconds we, we understand that there is the possibility of baseball shutting down and that there are there is much health concern that it exists so that that is the that was the right thing to say by the mayor that of course that all things have to be considered and I'm glad that there is rational thought and I'm sure the Cubs have considered that as well so once they have deemed it safe enough it's it's up to you if the Cubs give it the green light, if the city gives it the green light, if the state says yes, go to Wrigley Field or to guarantee a rate field, then then that's just that's on you to take your chances or or not take the chances. So the the Cubs and the Sox hopefully, I mean I'm hoping for it, I'll be honest with you. I, I would like to see fans in the stands at Wrigley Field this year, and I'm sure that you, many of you listening, will like that too, because you will you will want to go to the ball games this year and um, take your chances. So much going on as far as off the field with the the Cubs and Sox and the peripheral and trying to get things set on the field for the Cubs. This is a core. This is a core, and we'll talk more with Mark Gonzalez at 11. But this is a core that has not won in the last two years. At least, not to the standard they set for themselves in 15, 16, and 17. And it is right to hold them to that standard—the one where they at least get into the playoffs, win a damn playoff series, and get to the, you know, to the to the second round at least. Um, to the point where. The Cubs president of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, would be looking to make a big move, one that did not happen mainly because of economics, even pre-COVID, further perpetrated by baseball shuts, shutdown. But the I guess the question is right now with the Cubs, can the Cubs still win? Short answer is yes, they can, but they're going to need a bump from a place you may not have gotten it yet. I think you know what you have in Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. I'm positive of that. Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Jason Hayward, Albert Almora. I'm pretty sure I know what those guys are. Yeah, even Schwarber, even Schwarber, who did have an excellent second half of the season last year. I pretty much think that those guys we have seen their ceilings. Some are really good. Maybe some are not quite as good as we thought, like Almora. So you know what you're getting out of those guys. I'm still not sure. Like, where, so where could that extra pop, that extra source come from? I'm still not sure I know exactly what Ian Happ is. And I do think that he will get a lot of the playing time in central field this year. Doesn't mean he's going to get it all. But I think that that is the rough draft blueprint plan that we don't know what Happ is yet. That's one guy. Um Nico Horner. We do not know what Nico Horner is yet. And yes, he will play this year. I didn't want him to play if it's going to be 162, but he's going to play. And then lastly, the other guy who you could still get a pop from or maybe do things that you weren't sure he could do, that would be you, Darvish. I'd like to think that Darvish is the guy that he was in the second half of last year, but you cannot discount his first year and a half with the Cubs. He just can't. Uh, But you have to have a big year from Darvish. You have to have an ace season because Lester is coming off a pretty rough year by his standard, a 4-5 ERA. Kyle Hendricks can still be great, but great is not what we can expect out of Jose Quintana or Tyler Chatwood. So it sounds weird to say, but you need Hugh Darvish to be great for this team to go. And you've you got to get production or something unexpected from another source on the Cubs to make this thing go this year more Cubs talk coming up in an hour with Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune but directly ahead we will bring in the 15 time all-star a first ballot Hall of Famer Ozzie Smith is next on hit and run Mark Rodian from Matt Spiegel on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score
1: <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com